Hello and welcome back to Parity Radio. In this episode, I speak to a gentleman called Gary Calderwood, who is the creative director for Love in Manchester. Uh, and this episode is a bit different as when I emailed Gary to ask if he'd come on the podcast, he invited me down to the studio itself to record the interview uh, in person as opposed to doing it online. So it's the first one I've done where I've traveled to the guest themselves and I've recorded it in person. Um, so it sounds a little bit different and I've edited a bit different. Uh, I kind of messed up the recording a little bit. So I've had to go in and tweak things, but I think it's come out all right. Or it should be okay. But yeah, we discuss all manner of things as we normally do from uh, how Gary got started in the industry. He's Scottish, so we kind of touch on the contrast between working in sort of the north of England and Scotland. He's into animation, so and he's got a few animations on YouTube. We touch on the way that sort of love works as they're sort of a contextual studio. And they take a lot of influence from the fashion industry and kind of the zeitgeist that's currently around. Uh, and we sort of discuss that briefly. And we talk about his career and sort of what he looks at in student portfolios and all different things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I um, hope you enjoy. So let's start you all saying basically for the people listening that maybe don't have the pleasure of knowing yourself, could you give them a bit of a rundown as to who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, so I'm Gary Calderwood. Been in the design industry for something like 20 odd years. Um, it went going really fast. I didn't um, but I am one of the creative directors at Love. Um, it works different every agency, I think, just in terms of hierarchy. But here we've got... Uh, Dave Palmer, he's the executive creative director. So he's like, I guess, the sort of lead singer, front man, the band. And then we've got our senior creative director who works alongside Dave. That's Chris Myers. So he's probably like the lead guitarist. Mm. So I've taken front and said, Dave. The creative directors in the business, we are a little bit more in the background. Um, and I suppose we are, if I could keep going with the metaphors, we're sort of like songwriting team in the background, helping the team come up with ideas. We're also collaborating together. Yeah. And, and working with teams of designers, younger designers, to help them produce their best work in the studio. Um, but really, my specialism is this, and it evolves, I think it evolves for every designer. But these days, you know, it's in this brand and packaging design. Um, mostly for high-end spirits, yeah. beers and things like that. Um, and really my job is just to make a client look good. And my job is just to produce <laughs> good enough work to make a client look good and keep coming back to the business to keep giving these great briefs and all that we used to do some really interesting work. Yeah. You describe it as a band. Mm. Is that sort of a metaphor for how it works around here, a bit of a band? Dave, actually... It always comes up, it always <laughs> comes back to um, album covers. Yeah. It's always album yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think for a lot of us when we were growing up, um, that was the, the opportunity hmm. of graphic design. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, was looking at what was happening in the music scene. Yeah. Um, and wanting to be part of something like that. Yeah. Nowadays, 
it's um, it's almost like the craft beer scene, mm. you know, in the way um, on, on products like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of you know, create license and visual opportunities mm. and uh, but also the grassroots of it. Yeah, so that's quite interesting. Yeah. you know, uh, the accessibility of technology and, and people just being able to sort of plug in mm. um, and and really sort of creates really exciting stuff that, 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 that moves away from more commercial mm, mm. big brand stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so it's and it usually comes back to music. <laughs> it always does, isn't it, really? Yeah. Weirdly, it always sort of, especially with England, doesn't it? Everything called you speak to people and they're always like Peter Savile, obviously, and all yeah. the, you know, the greatest like that. But you know, yeah. It's funny as well with obviously the uh it's probably that I can't Space time continuum doing a podcast, mm. but the Chanel show mm. um, happened quite recently in Manchester, and a lot of that was centered around the nostalgia of yeah. yeah. the music scene here. Uh, and, and to be honest, it's you know, I'm originally from basically a Glasgow mm. music scene in Glasgow, music scene in Manchester. You know, it's, they're very similar, yeah. actually, in terms of uh, you know, the gig scene, mm. uh, music scene. Um, and it's certainly uh, one of the things that attracted me to Yeah, yeah, city. yeah. Uh, jumping forward and sort of going backwards before you began anything, can you remember what sort of originally got you interested in art and design to begin with? Yeah, I mean, it goes right back and um, time from, you know, Quite a poor family. Mm-hmm. We grew up in council estates. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we didn't have food for yeah, money for food, even. Um, you know, it was a little bit like the equivalent of food banks mm-hmm. these days. We had food parcels from the WRVS, which were um, unlabeled tins, mm-hmm. and it was like bottle up occasionally and mean tins, you know, so I've opened these things up. And it could be all manly things, usually corned beef. Yeah, <laughs> things like corned beef. Actually, yeah. um, but I think that that uh, adversity uh, in early life, I think it 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 sort of um, it sort of takes you into a direction you rely on your imagination, mm. Mm. and so I'm looking at uh, you know people who painted, people who are drawing. We and my twin brother mm. were always drawing things yeah. um, and sort of creating worlds I think, think at one point we must have seen somebody with it was like a Mario game that Donkey Kong and we used to uh, design our own platform games and scrap pieces of paper yeah. and it was all <laughs> platforms and ladders and uh, monsters chasing people and all that sort of stuff and I think at the time I don't know whether it was my, my dad and my mum seen that and suddenly decided that they wanted us to be architects because <laughs> they like saw the lines and the lines yeah, yeah. and things like that and they thought, oh, these kids were born to be architects. So I suppose it started from that and getting sort of pushed genuinely into, uh, you know, looking at what architecture may be. Mm. Um, and I think when you start to study about that, you start to find your way, you know, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, but gradually it sort of evolved into uh, art and design because I think I enjoyed the emotive part mm. of art or graphic art, um, but liked the 
the, the, the science bit of it as well, where you've got geometry and you've got time and you've got. So it was a real sort of yeah. uh, balance of the two. But architecture, gosh, I mean, I ended up doing physics and things like that. He's not what I school and really enjoyed them, but um, I couldn't see myself doing it as a, mm. as a career. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you know, see these things happen for a reason. Um, ended up pursuing graphic design in relation to actual yeah. to that. Um, but yeah, really from early on, it was just, you know, imagination, mm. lifting up people drawing, again, inspiration all the time. Mm. And um, yeah, so. So yeah, as I was sort of snooping around yourself online, just <laughs> finding things, I found a, a YouTube channel, which I believe is yours. Yes, um, yes. And there's sort of a handful of animations on there that for the time look really well done. They're really nicely done. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to ask sort of is animation something that you've always been interested in? Is it something that you sort yeah. of got interested later on? Or? I mean, I suppose at the time, um, as I was going through um, a college course, animation was sort of part of it. It was Flash. Yeah, it was, yeah. So a lot of the animation that's happened at the time was um, really it was it was it was for websites, mm. um, but it did spark something that I thought that it would be worth pursuing at some point. Yeah. Um, and I think at the time I was trying to learn After Effects mm. um, and, you know, that was really useful to sort of uh, almost create a, a sort of self-set brief, throw yourself in, mm. you know, just see how it all works. Mm. Um, I, I mean, they're pretty clunky, <laughs> the animations, but I think I learned a lot doing it yeah. because of editing timing, mm. you know, putting visuals to a, a narrative mm. and certainly help me in my future work because mm. I was then, you know, with the editing, helping edit, edit yeah. a film, storyboard, something. Yeah. And, and that was that was useful. I mean, it was, it was funny, you know, the animation stuff gave me such an appreciation for people who can do it incredibly well. <laughs> um, and the fact that, you know, certainly you've got a team of people, mm. you know, uh, really crafting something like that. Mm. The difference of, of what you can achieve was a real sort of labour of love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think probably my biggest audience were my friends and children. <laughs> <laughs> I was not destined for any sort of stardom, but it was, it was really useful. Um, and so I kept those learnings with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On. yeah. No, that's fair. I think they look really nice. I was watching them. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. I've grown up on terrible animation in YouTube, and that's even maybe later than that. So, yeah, you know. Uh, am I correct in the fact that you began working in the early 2000s and then did a, pursued a design degree later on? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I suppose when I started, you know, talking 20 odd years ago, um, and you could you know, do HND, mm. HNC, and just find yourself in a job. Yeah. You know, um, I was incredibly lucky from, from that respect. Um, I'd finished school, I'd put a portfolio together, um, and I applied for art school, but I applied for the Glasgow School of Art. Mm. Hadn't got in, um, so then went into clearing, and it was the College of Building and Printing mm. in Glasgow, very technical. Uh, college uh, with print studio on, on the top floors, uh, very technical subjects in there, but um, there were some fantastic uh, lecturers and tutors, ex agency people, people that worked in branding, etc. Mm. Um, and you know, very quickly, I found myself 
massively out of my depth yeah. from, the, from the point of view where I thought I was quite good at art and design mm. and then suddenly you're sort of thrown in with these much more talented individuals and <laughs> really had to put my socks up <laughs> really quickly um, but through that um, I'd done my HMT we got a lot placement mm. for a couple of weeks I was placed with that studio in, in Glasgow and they just gave me a job mm. you know and, and I think that was you know, it's, it was all timing. It was all just being in the right place at the right time. Obviously, a bit of craft involved as well. But um, I think that's probably the same case for a lot of people nowadays as well. Yeah, yeah. Getting their foot in the door, yeah. having an opportunity and, and, and sort of trying to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, but I'd continued on and all my friends were really. Mm. And, and I was working at the time. And so I went through, you know, a decade or so and I thought actually I'm in danger of sort of you know um, just doing things a particular way mm. and I was worried about getting stuck in a bit of a rut yeah. and when I started thinking about how I could get out of that um, I was taken back to you know thinking about the degree you know what I may have learned mm. when I did that um, so I was working full time yeah. in this little studio in Glasgow and um, I was doing a degree part-time at nights and the weekends. Yeah. I was pretty knackered, <laughs> um, to say the least. But there was a fantastic experience because um, it was all online. So it was through um, Hertfordshire University, where they had online tutors mm-hmm. from all over the UK. Um, and... Yeah, you know, it was a great course, you know, really great briefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually probably set me up pretty well for the remote mm. working the way. Yeah, yeah. COVID's happened, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, great experience. And I think it gave, certainly the way I think, mm. the way I, you know, I approach design, gave it a shot in the arm. Mm. So I'm hoping to be up to new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. Um, and yeah, it, it, it certainly sparked a career change at that time. And I probably wouldn't be where I am. Yeah, yeah. If I hadn't done that. Oh, well, that's fair. Um, I don't know if you mentioned when you mentioned the studio you worked at. Is that Studio Nine Nine Nine? Was it Nine 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 Design? Yeah, that's right. And I was just going to ask, do you have any standout memories from that early part of your career? Yeah, I mean, it was it was fantastic because it was like it was like a sort of rock and roll design <laughs> um, for good and for bad. Um, but that was a fantastic studio. Um, you know, a kid from Kilmarnock, mm. you know, a small sort of industrial town, you know, to get out of where I grew up, mm. get a job in the city, um, you know, to be working on brands like PlayStation, mm. um, you know, orange phones, shipping number one hand in the UK, but it was, it was you know, the high end yeah, technology. We're also working with Razzler Reebok, etc. So it's photo shoots, and it's, mm. you know, all this really exciting design stuff happening all the time. So, um, yes, I was making all the coffees and I was doing all the mock ups and things like that. Probably breathed in a few cans of screen out <laughs> all the way. But, um, you know, to get thrown in mm. right into the uh, way into the fire, um, it was great, fantastic experience. Um, and I was there for about a year. Um, while I was there, nine eleven had happened, mm. and there was what I would say was there was a, a mini 
in a, a recession mm. within the design industry um, because of the uh, financial markets being rocked. So there's redundancies and, you know, and uh, you know, being a junior, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I moved on yeah. from there. But that experience has always stayed with me mm-hmm. um, because of the sort of design they were doing um, at, the, at the level that they were doing it at. They also had a Manchester studio. Yeah. <laughs> so they were based in Castlefield and I worked there for a period of time mm. as well. So mm. it was great. It almost became the sort of cultural attache yeah, <laughs> yeah. to the Manchester studio, uh, which was fantastic. I had family here. Um, so I could sort of go between the two. And again, there was some great people there. But while I was, I think we were out for beers one day, um, somebody was talking about love mm. the studio. Um, and I'd never heard the name before, but when I looked it up, love the work, mm. um, super, super exciting stuff. So it almost comes up full circle. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hearing about that agency, following them, and then moving to catch all. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, uh, yeah your, your career has sort of been tied to the food and drinks industry, as you mentioned. Um, when did this interest sort of first sort of begin popping up? I think um, with any of these things, it's usually tied just to what clip you get yeah. in the studio. Um, feel like certainly with with Scottish agencies, the certainly at the time when I was you know uh, the I'm a designer, there was an awful lot of whiskey work. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, you know, from those whiskey reefs, understanding those brands. The really rich stories behind them, yeah. Um, the crafts, you know, they come into to making those products, and it was really interesting. Um, but also, there was opportunity to try and push it from a very oldy worldy, yeah, looking thing into a much newer, yeah, yeah. space. So, um, always feel that with these things, food and drink, there's opportunity to 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 just make something. We've nobody seen before mm. push into you know a much bolder space yeah. uh, or a more interesting place so um, yeah I guess working on spirits you're sort of trying to communicate heritage flavour and then you can sort of transfer that mm. into things like ice cream mm. or mm. you know mm. fancy cheese yeah. <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's certainly transferable but it's interesting I think um, we're all you know, we're all emotive mm. creatures. Mm. Um, and certainly I get excited by food yeah. and drink. <laughs> you know, flavours and the experience of it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just something, you know, we, ju- we just end up either through nature or nurture, um, you know, just end up really interested in it. Mm. The also, I'm good up in Kilmarnock, uh, which is the hometown of Johnny Walker's whiskey. Mm. So you grow up, in the shadow of a distillery with that a whiskey brand like that and it's and it stays with you. Yeah. You're with the heritage, the grind, you know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, very much I've yeah. Kind of, I've yeah. The food and drink's always been a weird one for me. Because the way I've sort of thought about it in the past is say you're working on a cereal brand. Yeah. If you took like catalogs and stripped all of the information on the packet down, you took all the imagery off and just wrote catalogs on the front, yeah. people would still buy it, wouldn't they? Because they like catalogs, weirdly. Yeah, they know it. You know, there's, yeah. there's that thing where they recognise the brand. Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
we are, we have to work really hard on flavour appeal. Yeah, yeah. You know, make it fifteen percent crunchier. Yeah, try and communicate that experience. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. You know, like once somebody is in habitually buying mm. something, you know it, you know the products. Mm. You know the rest of the furniture yeah. in that pack. I think probably becomes less important yeah, as the yeah. name. Yeah, but I suppose from you. Consumers, yeah. then it's slightly different because you're having to start from scratch mm. and try and mm. educate them mm. what it is. Mm. Um, I can imagine it's a lot more difficult going from like a startup to like something like a name brand, how you'd approach oh, yeah. those. Too. Yeah, you tend to get, certainly with, uh, with the bigger global brands that we work on, um, they'll be stickers for uh, putting things through research. Mm. So they'll be consumers to look at imagery. Um, have responses to mm. premium something looks like how yeah. refreshing something looks um, and that all feeds into the metrics that then they decide on you know, mm. what design goes ahead or, or doesn't um, the younger brands you know certainly with the direct to consumer markets mm. you've got a lot of brands that just uh, live on Instagram yeah, yeah. and they've got online shops yeah. that has a very different way of shopping mm. from you know can do in a supermarket mm. now. Um, so there's then, you know, opportunity to maybe lean into something that's a bit more zeitgeisty, yeah. you know, a bit yeah. more trendy. Um, you know, um, it's, yeah, but but, but that behaviour at that end of the market, it's constantly influencing mm. those bigger brands, you know, because mm. they're, they're now questioning how do we connect with James Ed's, yeah. we bring in new consumers who are all, you know, shopping these uh, channels. Mm. How do we engage with them? And, you know, and, and we're having to look at those DTC brands and go, well, if you were a bit braver, you sort of, mm. you know, mm. um, if you were a bit more playful, yeah. um, then there's ways that you can suddenly become much more relevant yeah. to, you know, to these audiences without completely chucking all your mm. brand assets away because mm. that's the danger as well you just throw the bits away that people recognise you yeah, for yeah. but there's certainly ways that you can flip those mm. uh, you know, to make yourself a bit more yeah. um, useful yeah you can kind of imagine it from their perspective as well can't you though in a sense of like if you've got this core base that you sell to trying to even even sort of step tiptoe in that way a little bit it might just alienate that one a certain amount and it's just kind of yeah. like a balancing act I'd assume you know absolutely yeah. and there's some categories where um, you know that fear mm. is, is, is slightly more heightened than yes. and certainly when we work in the likes of the whiskey industry mm. you've always got that, that core mm. um, sometimes quite conservative yeah. fan base yeah. you know and if, if, if you change it too much um, in fact you change it a little bit you're going to create shockwaves mm. people that just aren't going to like it yeah. um, but then it's a trade off with who you're bringing on the journey with mm. you mm. and if you are you bringing into the brand mm. in terms of recruitment um, but yeah you're absolutely right it's, it's always to the balance so yeah uh, doobie doobie doo so yeah this is sort of the midpoint of the show which I do with everyone it's sort of ripping off Desert Hour this but not really what kind of yeah and it's called the Hall of Fame and it's just the idea that if I could ask you for one thing which has been the real sort of heartbeat of your own career and it can be anything really whatever you want um, what would that be for yourself so there's it's 
one of these um, park trucks, I think they call them. Um, so you know, you get like a it's in a magazine or something mm. every week. Um, well, this was a it was a set of encyclopedias. Yeah, it's called the Tree of Knowledge, and um, I was eternally, eternally grateful to my parents that mm. were able to put aside whatever money they had to, to buy these, and we missed quite a few of them. Yeah, but we basically got a binder. And then every week, kind of a couple of weeks, you got um, different subjects across geography, history, art and design, things like that. And you would slot them into the binder and it would get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And thereby, you know, growing the yeah. your, your, your knowledge, um, which was fantastic because it sort of, um, I had never really been interested in history before. Um, but it was a way that me and my brother could digest that at our own pace mm. on our own terms suddenly became fascinating um, that you know uh, the stories there uh, but also they had a fantastic art and design section mm. and as well we are we're learning about artists we're learning about designers you know design movements etc and that was history as well yeah, yeah. so it was like there was a real some interest there and me and my twin brother both still have this fascination with history and how you bring the stories through mm. uh, and how you can apply that to, you know, anything you're working on, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that has really, you know, stayed with me, you know, mm. all the way through school and then, um, you know, setting up really in terms of who I intend to get a brief, yeah. have a, you know, deep dive into, you know, stories mm. and, and Bits of grand archaeology. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fun. You're a doobie doobie doo. Sorry if I've been like throwing you curveballs, by the way. I'm not trying to like tear you up for anything. It's just something comes along. Um, so, yeah, I've seen there's a couple of articles you wrote earlier this year on sort of one was about naming the brand yes. and one was about sort of cultivating that heritage that you sort of touched on. Sure. And those ideas sort of, uh, they're sort of polar opposites to each yes. other in my brain. So, I was just curious. Uh, can you touch on crafting brands that kind of balance those things yes. with each other? Uh-huh. I think it's that there's sort of um, there's sort of two sides to the same coin, really, mm. and they've sort of both got to be considered. Um, I always think of the principle uh, in wayfinding, mm. where you've got this idea of progressive disclosure. So when you go to the airport, climb the wall. And she would tell you what direction the terminal is first. So you head to the terminal, and then next she would tell you where the car park is. Mm. So then you bring over and park the car. And then she would tell you, you know, where the check-in desks or the shops are. What you don't get on the motorway is a board that tells you where absolutely everything in the airport mm. is. Mm. So it's sort of, um, it's doing it layer by layer. So I always think, um, certainly because we're working a very sort of global business. Um, we've got to keep accessibility in mind, um, just from a point of view of having something that's memorable, something that can see it, can order it, can ask for it. Um, and then, you know, um, once you attracted that person to the product and the brand, then it's opening those layers up mm. of, of storytelling um, giving them a level of richness that they can actually immerse themselves in yeah. rather than it being sort of, you know, just skin deep. Um, so I suppose 
and more of the work that we do at Love is like that. Mm. It's uh, it may be a really silly idea. It might be something that's actually quite flippant on the surface, yeah. quite playful. But as you get closer, when you peel the layers away, there's a there's a depth to it. There's a there's a, it's connected to a brand story. It's connected to you know something that's got much much deeper roots. Mm. Um, and that way you can sort of pull something into those brand stories. Yeah, and actually, you know, quite a lot of time trying to get it to learn through play. So they're absorbing all this information while just enjoying maybe an unboxing experience mm. yeah, rather than you know, us just spewing a lot of information overwhelming them all of them in time. Mm. So that how can we deal that through? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I guess you don't have like different briefs really. Say if you were approaching like a branding brief, you wouldn't really, that's not even something you'd think of, is it? It's just sort of very particular to sort of the packaging industry and yeah. sort of things, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but we also see it in uh, fashion, mm-hmm. where um, you really might have a seasonal collection, which on the surface of it, it's just, it's just something that's visual. Yeah. Um, but actually when you dig into that, um, you know, they might, they might be connected to a story of the founder. Mm. Um, you know, so I love, I love those events. Yeah. Yeah. On yeah. the surface, I might not have much to do, but when you dig a little yeah. bit deeper and you give uh, consumers an opportunity to immerse themselves in it, mm. then it can be quite a bitch mm. experience. Mm. Is fashion something you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I love, certainly, uh, we're constantly looking at culture mm. um, and we're looking across at different categories and we're looking at how other brands behave. Mm. Um, and, you know, luxury fashion houses have always been slightly ahead of the curve mm. in terms of how they activate themselves. You yeah. Chanel doing a, um, you know, uh, staging uh, one of their catwalks um, and in Bazaar, there was some kind of sort of, um, what do you call it, sort of rocket mm. launch. Yeah, yeah. see the rocket space station and some space check-in desks. And that's really fun. Um, and then also all the touch points that come off of that are informed by that theme. Mm. And that's quite a playful way for a brand mm. to behave. It can just a seasonal thing. Mm. But it's constantly interesting. Mm. They're constantly just sort of, you know, trying something else and exploring new species. Yeah. And you know, seeing how, you know, how does, how does a brand work mm. if you put it in that, say, in that context. Yeah, do. So, for things like limited editions, yeah. for things like um, real brand activation, for doing a pop up, yeah. so looking for a theme, the main is to look at, you know, mm. the luxury fashion business just until we activate. Yeah. During my um, my undergrad, uh, uh, my sort of biggest inspiration is Virgil Abloh, who was obviously the, the leader of Louis Vuitton for a time. Um, and I did this brand called Context, which was the idea that it came from the idea that if you were to write creative director on like a hoodie, mm. depending on who was wearing it and where they were wearing it, yeah. the meaning would change. So like if you gave it to somebody that wrote graffiti, that would be completely different to like yourself wearing it because you're obviously a creative director. So yeah. it kind of just changes like that. And it's just kind of, you can, the, the idea you can take that thinking and then sort of reapply it to the packaging industry yes. is quite interesting, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think, um, yeah, people just want interesting stuff. Yeah. You know, so you clear the codes, if you, you know, mix the context up, mm. if you borrow the visual language from something else, mm. and you swap it with, you yeah. know, 
unexpectedly. Yeah. Continue to some really interesting yeah. pieces. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Sorry, I'm just reading through. I forgot my own questions. So, yeah, you're obviously the creative director of Love at the moment. Um, and I'm a massive fan of the studio, the work that the studio puts out. I think I am more now, now <laughs> learning that. Um, I was just curious, could you sort of walk me through how you approach a project? And is, do you have a, a certain way of approaching every single project? Does it change between each one? I feel like it's probably the latter now. Talk to you a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, every project, um, because we are full service, we've got so many different disciplines mm. in the studio. We tend to get very different scopes of briefs. Mm. Sometimes it's from a sort of retail point of view. Sometimes it's a new product and we've got to design the packaging and branding. Sometimes all of that's done. There's a campaign that yeah. we're working on to promote that. Um, so I suppose it's, it's constantly changing, but I suppose there's, there's, a, there's a consistent way that we approach the thinking in terms of how we tackle those. And it's always to try and unearth some something that somebody hasn't thought mm, of before, mm, mm. a slightly different way of looking at it. And that might be as simple as a client coming to us and going, right, we've decided we would to put all the money into a, a social campaign because mm. we think it's going to get us this. And we have to look at that and say, what are you actually trying to achieve mm. as a business? What's your business challenge? Yeah. Because what they actually better off doing is um, older pop-ups, mm. you know, in cities, mm. uh, you know, worldwide, or it may be, you know, some limited editions, or it may be recruitment of a different audience type that will get them to, you know, solving that business challenge. So we're always interrogating the brief in that kind of way. So that's, that's the sort of starting point. But we're also looking to culture. We're looking at what people are doing mm. out in the world, mm. what other brands are doing, how people are responding mm. to brands, you know, um, how do we, how do we um, get on the conversation there rather than interrupting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we become part of their conversations, part of their, their world, mm. really. Um, and I think a lot of times, we work with brands, they very much think in broadcasts. Mm. So we're a brand, we've got a message to put out there, and we're going to interrupt you and tell you all about this fascinating new mm. product. Mm. We try and come at it from a you know, bit of a different point of view. There we are. And they're trying to engage people and get them so excited about whatever's going on mm. that they almost take ownership of it. Yeah. You know, something we want to talk to people about mm. um, and really sort of embrace mm. um, and get involved with. So it changes massively depending on the brief, but yeah. um, it's, it's, it's trying to find just a, a new angle on it. Um, and there's always a bit of, in order to get there, there's quite a lot of sort of uh, in depth research, you know, sort of brand archaeology, talking to archivists, mm. you know, there might just be some little nuggets. And they can waft into, you know, uh, a really fun idea that we can then, you know, run with. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And uh, So, yeah, as you mentioned, you're originally from Scotland and you're obviously based in Manchester now. Yes. I was just curious, could you touch on sort of the different creative industries that, you know, sure. sort of the differences between the two, maybe the similarities even? I mean, it's... 
I think, I think though, it is, um, you know, culturally, um, a lot of design agencies are, are quite sort of similar mm-hmm. in terms of how they operate, how they run. Um, I've worked briefly in places like Amsterdam as well. Um, and again, you know, there's a, there's a sort of global design mindset, I would say, but um, certainly from my experience, and this might just be because I'd worked in smaller studios when I was younger, mm. you tend to wear a lot more hats mm. and you sort of jump around different roles. Um, certainly in the design industry in Scotland, when I was, when I was growing up, I was doing animation, I was doing art direction, I was the photographer, mm. and I was, uh, you know, coding an app. Yeah. I was designing an exhibition, I was doing editorial design, uh, but then you're also, you know, jumping between different categories as well. So you might be working for stuff for the third sector, you know, public sector announcement stuff, behavioural change, and then the next week, you're working on uh, consumer products, mm. um, you know, so you know, doing a campaign for a new wine or, mm-hmm. you know, a new whiskey, etc. So um, when I moved to Manchester, the feeling was that um, you sort of get to um, specialise mm. a little bit better. And it probably changes massively between studios. But certainly I think um, in England, sort of being allowed to play to particular strengths and nurture those um, and sort of, you know, uh, and sort of bring the journey, you know, and with that, they sort of pass on the knowledge mm-hmm. as well. And um, certainly in, 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 in my design life in Scotland, I was, yeah, a lot of hats mm-hmm. jumping into a lot of different roles. And sometimes when you are, you can always apply great creativity to all of those. But I think sometimes you can become a, a sort of jack of all trades where you've spread yourself so thin between all the different facets that then becomes quite hard to, um, you know, master them. Um, so you end up picking up lots of different little bits, but not quite, um, you know, get to the level where you, you feel a hundred percent, you know, um, like take on one with it, yeah. so, you know, winging it a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, it's interesting. I think said as a young designer, being quite open and mm. trying lots of things, I think it's it's good for your development. But there does come a time where you know you start to some zero in a bit yeah. um, in terms of you know, what you enjoy and, and, and what you like to do more of mm. um, and where you can really fine tune mm. in terms of putting uh, the approach up. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. The way I've thought about that in the past and the way I've thought of it is if you went to your dentist mm. as an example um, or if you got two dentists, one was just a dentist, the other one was a dentist that can also juggle chainsaws and he plays pool really well. You'd pick the other dentist because you don't really care about those things, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've had a, a nice career spanning a load of different agencies and I assume you would have interviewed a, a few different sort of graduates on your way sure. up. Yeah. Um, could you touch on what makes a good portfolio for a graduate? Um, I suppose 
sometimes it should be truly different as well, depending on the candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often, we see portfolios with like the finished idea. I like to take them on the journey mm-hmm. in terms of where's the idea come from, what's the insight, but also I think sometimes um, you know these these university briefs to be quite limiting in terms of you're producing a singular can design mm. um, that's, that is an expression of a brand mm. it's trying to say quite a lot with just one yeah. one bit of media you yeah. know one one canvas um, so I like to see somebody that can broaden the thinking beyond that singular execution mm. so how does that brand behave mm. off of that product you know, even if it's just a little nod, yeah. there's a, is it some fly posters, what would you see on a fly poster? Where do you, where do you pop up? How do you talk to consumers? Um, you know, things like that. It's it's never um, just taking a brand and banging a whole bunch of other things with, with, mm. with the brand. Mm. It's how do you adapt that behaviour to those different settings where the brand shows up. Yeah. It's a big ask. Um, but I suppose for the certain level of work that we are trying to produce when we can see a little glimpse of that mm. in a student then that that's a way of thinking mm. holistically and um, you know it's a really good sign um, and that celebrates me excited yeah. about the um, you know the, the, the potential of, uh, of that person mm. um, beginning to round off and this is really cliche what I asked you, <laughs> but um, I ask everyone the same thing. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice when you first got started, what you know now, what would that be? Um, well, I've seen when you work in school, you wear an awful lot of hats. Mm-hmm. I would go back and come up very strong up with myself <laughs> about uh, the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it so many times through my career where you have colleagues or friends who have burnt out mm-hmm. um, who have just thrown everything into a, a design job um, and they make quite unhappy they might just be running on fumes mm-hmm. so it's getting that balance right because ultimately you can run out of steam you can run out of inspiration yeah. you can be pretty sad mm-hmm. you can be pretty knackered so um, yeah that balancing um, so I mean I've got jobs where I'm just doing 100 hours a week mm. you know for prolonged periods of time yeah. and it, it takes a toll you know um, so yeah well life balance really important also starting a pension <laughs> yeah that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah. uh, and then yeah super super lastly where can people find yourself online alright uh, so I've got and it was a stage where I'd taken a lot of my older work offline mm. uh, just because of I guess what I've been doing mm. in the studio um, a lot of the work that I produce uh, doesn't really seem to like to be because of uh, non-disclosure yeah yeah it's an imagine yeah so started to feel really outdated so I'm taking an awful lot of it down but I've got a very small Insta page mm-hmm. so Gary designs things on Instagram yep. um, yeah yeah so a few bits and bobs there oh yeah that's it then <laughs> thank you very much Hello again. Hope you enjoyed that. 
If you want to find me online, as ever, I am parity material everywhere you can find me. And yeah, a bit different this one. Came out all right in the end of thing. And the, the dynamic of kind of recording it in person is a little bit different to how you do it online. You kind of, you can kind of skirt off into different topics a little bit easier and all different things like that. So it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. And obviously getting to see the love studio, I was really lovely. If you'll pardon the pun, got a really nice space. Um, super nice. Uh, but yeah, um, I think that's about it. I shall see you next time.